and the first one's this one. Why does God love us when we constantly sin against him? It's a good question, isn't it? There are lots of answers. I came up with two today. Uh, the first is because he promised to. Uh, the Lord is often described as being like a husband and his people are like his wife. There's a book in the Bible that uses that kind of imagery to understand God's relationship to us and that's the book of Hosea. And in that book of the Bible, it's basically about a very messy breakup. It's where the wife runs away from the, the, and the marriage breaks up and it's horrible. And so what we see in that is a reminder that God is faithful always because he's promised. The second is because his love for us brings glory to himself. Uh, the way he glorifies himself is by forgiving us. And so our forgiveness is guaranteed by his passion to be glorified. You know, He wants to be glorified and we will get forgiven as a result. It's an amazing gift, isn't it? Question two. Uh, why did God make us when he knew we would reject him? Well, God made us so that he could send his son to die for us. That's the purpose. This is the greatest moment in history. And it's what humans are ultimately made for. I don't know if you thought about that. Uh, he made us so that Jesus could die. And it's also an opportunity to show the world how loving and kind our God is. You know, he made us knowing we'd need to be rescued. Interesting, isn't it? And that rescue brings him the glory. And so he could have the death of Jesus and the resurrection and we could all go, wow. Question three, why doesn't God prevent people from making stupid mistakes? I wish, I wish he could stop me making stupid mistakes. He could if he wanted to. He's all powerful, of course. But he wanted us to have a genuine will. He wanted us actually to be able to make choices and then to feel the consequences for those choices. He didn't want to create a whole bunch of people who were just robots, or as the cool kids say today, there you go. He didn't want us just to be bots. Uh, <laughs> he didn't just want us to be puppets, right? He actually gave us a will so that we would choose to follow him. He wanted us to follow him by choice. It's amazing, isn't it? And he wants us, as we choose, in the midst of all of the choices out there, we say, you know, actually, I'm going to put Jesus as number one and not everything else, or not myself. When we make that choice, it brings him great glory. And that's why. That's why. He, when he could have stopped us, he didn't. Question four. Does God love everyone or only Christians? What does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the the world. Okay, so remember that. God loved the world. And whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Whilst we were enemies with God. So he loves the world. He loves us while we were enemies. All this is right, okay? When we hated him, he loved us. It's not like we just thought, you know, I'm just a little bit not so keen on God. It's like we hated him. It's hard to get our heads around. That's how God understands what we were like before we came to him. Enemies. But even then, that at time, he was still loving us. But if a person goes through all of life hating God, and they get to the very last day and they say, I don't want you to rescue me. I don't want your love. I don't want your forgiveness. I don't even believe you're there. And then on the final day, they stand face to face and they go, well, that was stupid, wasn't it? It's like, yes, it was. The love for God is not upon them. God's anger remains on them. It's like, I sent my son to die for you so that I could 
put my anger on Jesus instead of you and you said no thanks? Your whole life, no thanks, no thanks, get lost. And so if someone does not accept that, then they will remain out of relationship with God and they will feel God's anger, not his love. Question five, what was the first Christian song? I had to think about this. How would you answer this question? How would you think about it? Well, I'll throw it open to you. Okay, I haven't done this before. Put your hand up. Can you think of any possibilities for the first Christian song? I came up with a few. Any thoughts? What part? The song of Mary. Yeah, that could be one. The song of Mary. So Mary sings a song and suddenly it's like, my soul magnifies the Lord. Rain, you have one? Gregorian chanting. Yeah, yeah, that's a little bit later though, isn't it? A little bit later. Oscar? The song of Deborah? Yeah. Yeah. Now, is, is that a Christian song or is that a song of God's people? I, I reckon it's, we need something in the New Testament perhaps. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I came up with a few. When you, when you get into the, the letters and Paul's writing to the churches, I think he sometimes is quoting from some songs they all knew. It'd be a little bit like if I uh, went, uh, you know, went away for a month or two and I wrote you all a letter and I decided to say, you know, this reminds me of a song we love to sing, you know, His Mercy is More. And I write you down the words or, you know, How Deep the Father's Love or something. And I think that's probably what we see a few times here. Uh, I, in Colossians chapter 1, he's the image of the firstborn son. The, you know, there's a whole little poem bit there that, that might have been one of the earliest songs. There's also Philippians chapter 2, 5 to 11. You know, the one, therefore God exalted him to the highest heaven, gave him the name above all names, that every knee shall, blah, 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 every tongue confess to Jesus. When you look at our Bibles, often it'll have sort of like text, 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 and then suddenly it gets all fancy and indented like it's a poem. Uh, that's often when they're translating it into English, they say, we all reckon it probably was a song or a poem, and so they put it that way in our English Bibles. And obviously... As the Lamb is slain, in heaven they're singing, in Revelation chapter 5, 9 and 10, a new song. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. So there's a couple. You might think about some other ones over dinner. Question six, two and a bit to come. What's the difference between submitting and serving? I had to think a little bit about this. See, submitting is when you follow a leader. So we have to submit to the police or the RMS when we're driving along and we go 40 down the hill when it's during a school zone out the front here. We submit to that and that means that we act in a certain way. Um, but serving is just doing something for somebody. See, I, I can serve my next door neighbours by watering their plants when they're away on holidays. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm submitting to their rule or anything like that. I'm just serving them, I'm doing something nice for them. But when you submit to someone, you will also serve them. And so they will say, you know, we, we have to sub submit to the police and we should serve them by acting in a way that they say that we must do. I think that's the difference there. Question seven. Can you be gay and still come to church? Well, of course you can. Everyone is welcome in church to come here. Uh, no matter how you describe yourself or define yourself or what it is that makes up your identity, you and anybody you know who's in that situation are thoroughly welcome here. It's wonderful to have everyone here. But let me ask a slightly different question. Uh, can you be gay and still be a Christian? Here's another question for us. Well, we flick to the New Testament, have a look in the Bible. What does it say about gays, lesbians, 
bisexual, homosexual. What does it say about that stuff? Well, when we look in there, we see that when it talks about homosexuality, it only talks about homosexual acts. It doesn't actually talk about homosexual identity. It doesn't say don't be a homosexual. It just says don't do homosexual stuff. Now, can you see a difference there? It's not to do with identity. It's to do with acts. See, God says in the Bible, he doesn't want people to commit sexual acts with people of the same sex. And there's several bits where that's pretty clear. But he doesn't talk about people's identity in that same way. And he doesn't actually talk about what their feelings are for other people. And so um, there are some people who are attracted to people of the same sex, who have a same-sex attraction. Now, God says that he doesn't want those people to engage in homosexual activity. So you can feel it, but don't act. That's the way that the Bible talks about that. See, uh, just because a person is attracted to another person doesn't mean that they have the right to go and act upon it. And so if a married man is attracted to a woman who's not his wife, even though it's a really strong feeling, they're not supposed to act upon that. And likewise, if a person has a same-sex attraction, then they shouldn't act upon that because God says that's not what he wants us to do. Uh, there are ministers who uh, have same-sex attraction. They, they say, I am a person who, who, who struggles with same... Not me, someone, someone who struggles with same-sex attraction, and yet they have not acted upon that. And therefore, they have obeyed God in that way. And there are many others who... Are Christians in that same situation. See, do you understand the difference? It's about, it's about, not about the feelings, it's about acting on those feelings. Now, I've just taught, answered this particular question, uh, but it can be like, can you be a thief and still come to church? Yes, but don't steal. Actually, it's not about your identity, it's about, can you be attracted to steal stuff? Well, yes, you can come here and be attracted to steal. Like, I'm attracted to all sorts of things I shouldn't do in sin, but I'm not supposed to act on it. If you want to ask a follow-up question for next week, I'd be very happy to answer that. The last little question is that there was, a, there was another question that was related to a sexual matter that was asked, and I've chosen not to answer that in church tonight, but I want to recommend that you go, whoever asked the question, go to the resistporn.org website. I've mentioned this many times before, but there's a website called resistporn.org. O-R-G. It's made by the Diocese of Sydney. It's got the Archbishop's face on it, or somewhere near whatever, but it's, it's kind of it's run, by our, it's run by our diocese to help people with understand pornography. And the, the question that was asked, and you'll know which one it is, is answered somewhere on that website. It's a useful one for us all to look at.